Welcome, Alludians, to episode one of the All You Do internal podcast. Today is the official launch and first episode. All right, we're going to move into our next segment, Going Beyond with All You Do, Employee Stories. And our very first guest on the All You Do podcast is our very own Chief People Officer, Scott Day. Welcome, Scott Day, to the All You Do podcast. Great to be here. Hello, Scott. Thank you so much. Let's just dive right in. So something really special happened uh, on September 13th, and yes. I want to talk about that. Uh, you know, Aludo was was launched, this new brand, Aludo. What excites you about the new brand? I love fresh starts in life. So any sort of fresh start that incorporates all that you've learned up until a point in time and then is bravely stepping into something new uh, excites me. And so that, that's part of what we're doing. But I think more importantly, what really excites me is that the brand Aludo is really all about promoting our mission in life, which is to create a world where people can work better so that they can live better. And that live better is the ultimate outcome. And so it puts work in its proper context. And, and so Aludo is coming into the world at a point in time when people need to hear this message really clearly that uh, we believe that employees should be the ones choosing where, how, when they work, and that we create solutions for our customers that enable that. Similarly, this matters to us as a company for our own employees and for ourselves. When you hear Krista talk about sort of what she wants in the world, it's this type of stuff. And so all of this together now coming into alignment under the branding of Aludo is just super exciting to me because there are fewer places uh, for misalignment. When, when your CEO, when your brand, when your culture, when your head of people, myself, are all talking about these things the same way, well, then it starts to really take form. It's no longer just ideas uh, that are lofty and ambitious. It's actual actions that are taking place to bring us more into alignment. And with the rebranding, we get new colors, we get new words, we get new sounds, we get a whole host of things, a new name that really encapsulate and bring this together. So that's that's why I'm super excited. I love that. I can hear the excitement in your voice. I know that Krista talks about work three and how it is not it's not just a next phase, it's forging a new path altogether. That's what I see here with this with this brand launch and I can hear it in your voice. You also yeah. mentioned new colors, new language. Where do you fall within work three time of day? Are you most productive being bright and early as the new brand mm -hmm. has defined? Are you a midday mm -hmm. enthusiast or are you a night owl? I'm a morning person. I've always known that about myself. I did the chronotype test that we developed. It verified that for me. I'm a honeybee. So the color scheme that resonates most for me that is associated with all of this 
is sort of the yellowish, bright, sunrisey type of uh, color scheme. One of my favorite pieces of swag is my bright yellow pen. My 12-year-old took it from me, and when I realized it was no longer at my desk, I got really kind of bugged. Like, where did my special <laughs> yellow pen go? But these colors really resonate for me, and that's the part that I find fascinating is that a bright, shiny uh, colors and, and this whole idea of associating with the time of day um, it does, it matches. And, and I find that this time that you and I are talking, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, it's relatively <laughs> early, early in my day. This is when I have the most energy. This is when I am enjoying connecting with people. Uh, and, and so I love that Aludo allows us to sort of find within the brand, the piece of it that most resonates for us. And, and I think this is what resonates love for it. me. Let's talk about a little bit more of um, a serious topic. So a little birdie told me that you have very strong philosophies on the phenomenon of quiet quitting. Since the global pandemic that we have all lived through, are living through, feels like it's changing in its sort of intensity right now at this point in time, um, it, it did disrupt the way that we all work. And as a result, some new uh, trends have started to be noticed. The big one that everybody was talking about last year was the Great Recession, the Great Reset, whatever you want to call it. At Corel slash Aludo, we started, there was one particular article that really resonated for us uh, on that particular topic, and it was, a re it was out of Harvard Business Review, and the gist of it was everybody's focusing on the employee, and why are all these employees doing this switching of jobs at this point in time. That was around the Great Resignation. And the name of this article that we uh, were reading was about the Great Adaptation. And the, the philosophical shift in tone was that it is incumbent on companies to recognize what's going on and adapt to meet the moment work versus like trying to force employees to go in a certain direction back into the office or stay with the company out of loyalty. These things that were, it was more of a clarion call for companies to adapt. And that really resonated for us. This was before we had arrived at the, the crystallization of work three or our focus on Aludo as a new brand. Every day I open up my LinkedIn feed, there's a new article on quiet quitting. And I think it's a, it's a phrase that has captured a lot of attention. The interesting thing is, similarly, most of the energy is how dare these employees of whatever generation they're from that are adapting to the workforce by what is being portrayed as a manipulative practice. Um, they're coming to work, they're showing up, they're collecting a paycheck, but they're doing absolute minimum possible for their employer. This is the way it's getting construed. And so there's a lot of backlash against quiet quitting. And can you believe your employees are doing this? And how do you find out if your employees are quiet quitting? Well, I've had this conversation with Krista and with Becca and others. I fundamentally believe that, again, this is more of a call for employers, not employees. It's not that employees are doing something wrong. What employees are doing, if anything, is reacting to decades upon decades of bad management and poisonous cultures and things that that have been just so restrictive on their lives and in terms of their ability to express who they are and to put their life at the center not their work at the center and so when i hear about quiet quitting again to me this is 
This is fuel for saying, what can we do to enable people to work when, where, how they want to, such that they don't need to even worry about that, that idea of manipulating or, or putting a, a, a costume on so that people don't realize that you're sort of getting over on them. Why not create a very transparent and open culture where people can decide for themselves how and when they want to work? As long as there's an alignment around the objective that you're trying to achieve or the outcome you're trying to produce, we can then treat people like adults and we all want that. That is a universal thing. Another thing that people want universally is to have the autonomy and freedom to choose for themselves rather than to be dictated to how to live. And that includes their work life. So to me, quiet quitting as a phenomenon is a reaction to these traditional modes of work that I think Aludo is in the perfect place to be disrupting, to meet the moment, to capture uh, the opportunity to create cultures that are more employee-centric and thus treating employees the way they've always wanted to be treated and thus they're not going to need to quiet quit. They're not going to need to reshuffle or go to other places. They'll want to stay with you for the long haul. That said, it doesn't mean that we're perfect on these fronts. It means that we're still adapting. But to me, when you put a stake in your front yard that says, this is what I believe in, this is what I stand for, mm -hmm. and you create a culture of transparency where people can challenge you and point to the places where you're not yet that, and you're like, your reaction isn't one of how dare you, it's one of bring it, thank you, I appreciate you shining the light. That's the area right. where we need to be working. As long as everyone understands that nothing is perfect, it's always dynamic and moving in a direction. I think what I would want people to take away is this is the direction that we're moving. We have a lot that I can point to right now that demonstrates that we believe it and that we're aligning our actions with our words. And there's a lot that I can point to and that people point out for me regularly that shows that we're not 100% there. But I'd much rather be on that path, have those destinations uh, called out, just like we're asking for employees, get really clear on the outcomes you're trying to produce. What I'm describing to you right now are the outcomes we're trying to produce. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, Scott, um, and let's talk a bit about your background. So from my understanding, you have a, a background um, in the military. You were a Marine. What values and practices um, that you have kind of kept throughout your career that you adopted from your military background? So many, and I was, I served on active duty in the Marines. You're absolutely right on that uh, for five years. And it was a long time ago. I, I think I uh, was commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1991, May of 1991. And I left active duty in uh, July of 1996. During that five year period of time, uh, one thing was, was very certain, especially as time went on. And that was that I was not, meant to be a Marine for the rest of my life. Uh, so being a Marine for five years convinced me of that, but but it also uh, taught me some of the most enduring lessons about leadership, that passion for understanding leadership, what it is, how it's applied, uh, how it's taught has fueled the rest of my career, but it did start in my time while I was in the Marines. But if I were to, if I were to pull out just a few words that definitely stand out in terms of leadership lessons I learned in the Marines that I carry to this day. Resilience is is high on that list. You know, how do you deal with difficult circumstances uh, 
in a way that acknowledges that the circumstance is real, what's going on, and uh, even though it's hard, you still feel that you have the ability to move forward and that you need to. Uh, and when you're facing setbacks, to not quit, to dust yourself off, uh, regroup and move forward again. The aspect of accountability. I actually, you know, there's so many different facets of leadership, but this is one that I think is a bedrock facet of leadership. If you're not someone who's, who looks at the world through the lens of, I am responsible for everything that happens or doesn't happen in my realm of care, then you do not yet have accountability. And, and I think moving to a place where you see everything that happens or fails to happen in your life, let alone in your job or in your role as parent or as, as ultimately something that you have uh, the opportunity to adapt to and to, to take charge of, you're going to feel a sense of setback. And I think that one dimension, accountability, separates a lot of uh, would-be leaders from actual leaders. Leaders seek accountability and they take it very seriously. Great leaders have the ability to sort of create a visual interpretation of what it is that your mission is as a group. A leader is, you can't have a leader without a mission. And, and it's the leader's job to articulate what the mission is and what successful completion of the mission looks like, feels like, sounds like, tastes like, all, any sensory description you can give so that people that are following you, that's another necessity of leadership, you have to have people who want to follow you, know what it is that they're doing and that they know when they've been successful in accomplishing the mission. So this whole orientation around outcomes and clarity of what outcomes look like, I believe it's the leader's job to, to make that very crystal clear for people. All of these things that I've just described, I lived firsthand and were, these things were reinforced while I was a leader in the Marine Corps, but they've stuck with me ever since. I have now a tough question to ask you related to this, Scott. Okay. What is a practice or some practices that you actually let go of from the Marine Corps that really just don't kind of fit into your role today? I'm not a big fan of hierarchical hour just because. I understand the need for it, especially in combat environments and things like that. There is something that comes from understanding what your role is and then wearing it on your sleeve or uh, having it known to all people what your uh, formal authority is to make decisions. Um, but I think that can go too far. And so, uh, you know, I'm not one who likes militaristic command and control hierarchical environments. The funny thing is most military outfits, the ones that are actually working to accomplish the kinds of missions I was talking about earlier, don't operate that way because they realize once you enter into a highly chaotic, uncertain environment like combat, a lot of those rules go out the window and it's all about adaptivity. So that's, that's the piece of my experience that I center more on. But there are things like the, the command and control, the hierarchical, the uh, formal authority, Another one that is sort of tangential to military culture is, um, is just this sort of loyalty without question. I believe people should question. <laughs> I think that people should uh, respectfully 
especially when they see that what you're asking them to do or what you're saying we're going to do doesn't align with what they perceive the mission to be, to get clear on it. And you can only do that by questioning and asking questions. And so I think sometimes culturally asking questions or questioning authority is seen as a bad move in a military context. I want to propagate that in this kind of context. I do want to switch into a bit more of a personal conversation with you. So I did some digging and I noticed that your social media handles are Scott Zen. And because uh, one of Aludo's core values is authenticity i'd love to dig into you know what is what is your personal branding scott zen what does that mean to you and where did that come from since about the year 2002 have been a practitioner of zen meditation it's the practice of sitting and just being with what is that can be described as humility dealing with life on life's terms uh, dealing with things as they come at you it's a practice about open and expansion and uh, and just being uh, literally that's i mean the practice is just sitting and watching your breath my email handle is a reminder to me to practice and and that's where that comes from i'm also a fellow practitioner it is proven that it changes the structure of your brain. I almost wish meditation was a was a skill taught in schools, you know, for children and stuff. I think it would make all Well, increasingly it's it's starting to be in certain places where folks are open to it. I mean, the phrase or the the word mindfulness is is yep. more commonly used than meditation. Thank you again, Scott, for being our very first guest on the All You Do podcast, episode 1. Thank you for working with us uh to help all of these Eludians get to know each other uh, and in so doing, be willing to be yourselves. I feel like I belong here and I've only been, I haven't even been here a year. I want to have a world and an environment where everybody can have that same sense of this is where I'm meant to be right now. Thank you for tuning into the All You Do podcast. Until next time.